Hey everybody! Welcome to week three of Halloween bonus episodes from It Still Lives. We're your hosts, Cami and TJ. Hi. We are getting inevitably closer to Halloween, so I hope you've got lots of great costumes planned. The weather's finally getting cool uh, yeah. and crisp. The leaves are crackling in the air. Just exploding in color. <laughs> it feels like Halloween. Finally got the jack-o'-lantern out. I don't like doing my jack-o'-lantern too early because it just rots. Yeah. And nobody wants a rotting pumpkin on their porch. Yeah, I, I will say I jumped the gun and started my pumpkin baking a little bit early. There was like three days left in September. I thought it would was appropriate <laughs> to go ahead and start baking all things. Well, pumpkin. maybe that's why we finally got the fall to get here. Yeah. It's because you kind of yeah, I was summoned I was, it with pumpkin. That is a great way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> my pumpkin bread and my candy roaster squash soup was summoning the fall air. Yes. So, and the molasses bread. Yes. Oh, the molasses yeah. bread. This week we're going to be sharing stories from Ethel Korn who is a much beloved Foxfire contact and we bring her up a lot here at the museum. Um, if you follow us on social media, we post a lot of pictures of Ethel um, because she's very photogenic, but she also happened to pose perfectly with a shotgun aimed in the air. Um, <laughs> and it's hard to resist the infectious personality of Ethel. Um, she was also a phenomenal storyteller, though, and she has um, several stories about natural phenomenon that differ from Don Patterson's stories about the witch and the spirits. These are more supernatural things that um, are connected to the landscape and some natural phenomena, but she interprets them as, you know, harbingers of death or other messages. Um, we, we were talking a couple of weeks ago about this and just like, one, placing yourself in a, in a world where there's not all of this light pollution yeah, and brightness, but there's a real true darkness mm -hmm. to the woods and to the wilderness. And you're living in a very rural area. Mm -hmm. So there's not a lot of human connection immediately, you know, to your left or yeah. to your right. It's you're out and, there. And certainly when she was experiencing all this, there wouldn't have been any no. electricity up here. So, no. you know, it's just, it's a landscape we can't even imagine because we're so connected to light. <laughs> yes. Like moths. Right. But you know, I, I, <laughs> Barry and I were talking about this today, but I was out um, in the yard the other night and you know we have a light on our house, but it's pretty dark up here. And all of a sudden we heard this noise that I thought sounded kind of like a woman. Um, so my immediate thought was a cat of some sort. And um, we went back in hurriedly because you know we didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Turned out to just be an owl, but you can easily see how yeah hearing noises like that in pitch black without knowing what it is or having a flashlight to shine on it would just kick your imagination into full gear well and too and coming we we mentioned in the previous episode about those old old world connections you know coming from a culture that does assign a certain amount of supernatural wander to the natural world mm -hmm. um it wouldn't be out of place for something different something otherworldly <laughs> 
being in these woods and and i think all of us who live up here we feel that at one point or another especially if we go out on the trail or we're uh, camping or something like that you feel that that energy Um, oh yeah when i first moved here i was like i feel like i'm walking through a fairy tale yeah there's something in the woods here yes um, and, you know, we can science it all away, but there is some legitimacy to some of these and certainly legitimacy to these people's values and their thoughts and their feelings and, and their intuition about things. Um, and also just, you know, the, the lineage of their cultural tradition and um, the things that they were taught to expect to encounter. Yeah. Um, and there's some, some great things going on in nature that... Still, I'm glad you brought up science and nature because I've got some fun (laughs) facts for you guys. So I went down a wormhole of (laughs) so you came out the other side of mysterious lights in the wilderness because that's what Ethel talks a lot about is some of these lights, um, what she calls jack o' lanterns, which are essentially like floating balls of light, um, which is just another term for what was known as the will of the wisp in Scotland. Again, another old world connection, right. Um, so I was looking this up to see what the validity of this was or what the science behind this was. And there's two main theories that it's either, you know, a ball of lightning or some sort of static electricity, or it is, um, what's also called swamp gas Mm -hmm. or basically methane that's self-igniting. And, um, while I was doing all this, I uncovered... (laughs) What I think is basically a zombie plant, which is a type of moss that's also known as peat moss. And basically peat moss um, thrives in really wet environments because it holds almost 20 times its weight in water and um, it feeds off of decaying matter. And so the the bottom part of the plant is essentially dead um, and the top of the plant is thriving on that dead matter. So I I don't know. That's pretty cool. But they're also like... Uh, metropolises for bacteria mm-hmm. that produce methane gas, um, which is you know where some of these they think potentially some of these methane methane balls are right. coming from. So, and, and I mean obviously too, there's we talking about you know illuminance in the woods. We are foxfire, and foxfire itself is a bioluminescent fungus that glows. Uh, is it, uh, it it lives on decaying wood and it and it glows and it creates these sort of mystical magical lights in the in the forest. Yeah. And so there's all kinds of strange uh, ethereal lights in the woods, which is kind of you can I mean I, that's where my that's where my heart would go, like spirits. Um, yeah, magical forces. Yeah, my heart would go there and then my feet would go the other way. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> At a very rapid pace. <laughs> so, anyway, without further ado, I hope I hope you enjoy Ethel's storytelling. Tell us some of them strange things, Granny, that you've seen and all. I was living in Charlotte. We lived off in the backwoods, and there one night at about 11 o'clock. Why, uh, they woke me up and thought the house was on fire. There's a fire, and I got up and looked out, and back in the east, it looked like uh, like sun was drawing water, but it looked like streams of blood are coming down from there. And it passed on, it was in the east, and it went straight on uh, towards the north, 
and hit lit O till you could have picked up a pen in the house, and I guess it was 10 or 15 minutes of going on. But it looked, and it looked like that that was blood was coming plumb down to the ground. And there was nobody, no, there's a lot of people seen it, but nobody knowed what it was. And long after that, they said there were reports in the paper of a seeing it back in about Asheville and through the mountain part of the country. And it lit up the whole house? It lit up the whole house. It was just as like that you could have picked up a pen in the house and hit like to scare the young ones all to death and I wasn't scared because I believed it was a representing fulfilling of places in the Bible and I got the Bible and got to reading to them in Revelations where it speaks of all of these things and wonders that we'll see and they was reconciled from it at that and it was something that God had sent that wasn't intended for us to know just what it was all about. Well, what was that? What did that thing look like that you talked? Was it Poppy that seen, or who was it that seen it? You know, you said was carrying the torch. Uh, that was long before J Uncle Jake Collins died, and uh, he seen the light, and it looked like a torch come from the house up there. It was just two or three days before he died, or night, rather, and there was a trail coming from the house down through our swamp, and he watched it, and he'd come on down right at uh, the end of the swamp and went up with his big gums and come down nearly to the kitchen door, and it went out. And uh, it was just two or three days after that that he fell dead. And we always thought it was a token of his death, because tokens will be of things to happen like that. Now you just look like somebody carrying a torch. Yeah, looked like somebody just carrying a pine torch lit in their hand. And it come down to right at the kitchen door, and it just vanished. Well, what about that? And uh about them things, them lights that go jack-o'-lanterns. Now, what do they look like? Well, it's kind of round-looking thing. And it'll come and they'll play up. They'll go down low to the ground and high up. And there's a seat always over here on what they call the Cheney Hill. And some said that it was from mineral. There's a vein of mineral goes through there. And they'd rise and they'll go up and they'll, they're pretty good-sized lights. And they'll play and all over the bottoms down below there. That there'll be a seed at time that they'll come and sometimes they'll go way up and then back down. Have you ever seen any other strange things like that? Well... That you didn't know what they was and all? Yes, I'd been out of plowing and I wanted to get the bottom plowed out. And I plowed till it was uh, the dusky dark when I got in and I went to put up the horse and got the corn and went to the and right at the back of the stable there was just a big light rose down right at the back of the stables in the swamp and he kept going higher and higher and I was young I wasn't plumb grown and I was awful cowardly 
And I throwed the corn through a crack into the stable. I didn't put it in the trough in a run. I never knowed what it was. You know, you started on the ground and went up? Yeah, it just frizzed from the ground and it just kept going higher and higher. And I didn't take time to watch to see how high it went. I run. Well, is there any other things like that that you seen or heard about people seeing? Yes. We was a coming, me and my uncle, from Dillard. One Which day, one? That is Uncle Jake Collins. And we was coming down the railroad then. The only way back then we had to go in was to ride in the wagon, horseback, or walk. There was no cars in here. And we looked on the hill over there and hit a something white. And it moved just as smooth as if it was somebody, but it was solid white and it vanished into them times. We never know what it was at all. Have you heard of anybody else seeing things like that? Yes. What was some of them? I've heard my daddy tell when he was a young man. Uh, they lived back in the mountains in this trailway and it was after dark. And he said that they was a big white something come over and said it kind of scared him but he ventured on the sea and said it was white. I said, went down in the trail, just out ahead of him. And he said he stopped, but he knowed he had to go on by that, and he went on, but he never could see, nor he didn't know what it was. What do you think it was? He didn't have no idea. Now, we come down by the church, the Newman Chapel Church, the old Newman Chapel Church, I've been back up in the up there. We've been working in the field. And it went like benches and everything else are turning over in that church. And I thought there was somebody in there that broke in. And I went, and the doors were still locked, and I looked in the windows, and we never could see nothing. And I went on home. And that evening, right late, they come up and told me that Gertrude Norton was dead. They was going up to ring the bell. And back then days when anybody died, they'd go and ring the bell. But there wasn't nothing in the church where I could see any of the windows good. And there was no benches nor nothing disturbed. Well, who was that? Tell about that boy that time that thought there was that something after him like that. And it was something behind his neck of flopping. Who was that? That was Andy Burrow. It was his tie flopping, and he had to go home, and he'd come with. There's running a meeting. Some women preachers come in at Dillard, and we'd come, and he'd come on by home there, and he went on home, and he went up, and had to go up the branch, and he's in the winter time and right cold, and the. Uh, Windows are blowing right hard, and it got to blowing the flop, and his tie back over his shoulder, and he never thought of it beating his tie, and he run about a quarter of a mile up the mountain. They just give completely out, and when he did, he found out it was his tie that was doing the flopping and making the rackets, and he scared him and took it out of race from. Well, tell us that about which was it about the no-headed cat. The scene of cats, who was that? That 
that was just an old tale told. I don't know who it was, but said to this hitchhiker, and he wanted to play stay all night, and they told him that he could stay in that house, but it was haunted. And he said he didn't believe him. There wasn't no such thing that he'd stay in there. And he went in there, and he carried cats around and got around, and uh, directly the old no-headed cat come a-walking around. And he jumped out of the bed, and he started to run in and to get away from it, and said he'd run down the road till he give out, and he thought he was far enough away there wouldn't be nothing around him. Said he'd just give out, and said he sat down to rest, and said, uh, directly said, the uh, Something says, oh, he says, we've had a hell of a race, ain't we? And said, he looked around and said, there sat the old no-headed cat by him, and he got up and he took off. <laughs>